Hello and welcome to the F1 Stop Show, episode seven. I am your host, Samuel Oni, and with me online, virtually, is Wes Spearman. Wes, how are you this evening? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks. Um, it's been a busy week. We've had pretty much non-stop cricket the last few days, so a bit tired, but yeah, other than that, pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Work's been good. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Good weekend of F1 in Saudi Arabia. Despite its uh, political yeah controversies, um, how do I, how do you say it? Political, <laughs> yeah, issues. That's it. Despite its political issues, we still got a race. Still had a race going, and uh, let's let's jump into it, shall we? So the race, Max Verstappen won it, which is great for Red Bull, but it was his teammate, Seba- uh, Sebastian Sergio <laughs> Perez. He was even racing. <laughs> Going back a few years Excuse there, that's Red Bull. <laughs> Sergio Perez. Yeah, it was Sergio Perez who got pole and started on pole. Um, history, history maker. First Mexican ever to get pole position in F1, but he didn't win the race. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was a great lap from Checo to get it on pole. As you said, the, the first Mexican to be on pole in Formula 1 history. I mean, F1 been around for... Was seventy second year? No, older than that now. Over seventy years, seventy sixth year. I think it was the seventy fifth anniversary last year, or in twenty twenty. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, in a way, it's it's a historic moment, isn't it? The first Mexican to be on part. I'm not I'm not sure how many Mexican drivers there have been, but I think there have been more than more than you think, actually. So, I mean, yeah, for, for yeah. Perez to get is. His first pole is is as as I say quite a quite a historic moment, and he to be fair he got off to a pretty good start in the race. I think held held the lead for for a number of laps, and yeah gave gave Max a bit a bit of a run for his money. I know it's early on in the season, but yeah, he, I think he did really well up front, and then you know obviously we had a Ferrari come into come into play sort of around what was it lap sixteen I think it was lap sixteen um, yeah when they. They got on. They got on the radio to Charles Leclerc, saying, "Pit to overtake." Essentially, trying to try and undercut Red Bull, trying to get on the on the quicker tire or change tires first, so they're, they're slightly quicker on earlier on in the race. And and they, as he said that, the, the radio is obviously broadcast to well, essentially the whole the whole world, really the whole paddock. So Red Bull would have been <laughs> would have been listening into that message, really, thinking, "Right, we've got a." Fox Perez at, at the same time as Leclerc, so we don't lose anything. We don't get undercut by Ferrari, and, and then you just see Charles Leclerc just sail past the pit lane and carry on. And then Red Bull, I think, ah, bollocks, <laughs> been outplayed. I think that was a yeah, masterstroke um, for Ferrari. <laughs> it, it was, it was. I, I think, I think they played Ferrari. I think they played their cards very well. Um, you know. I think they meant what they did, you know, box to overtake. And I, I think Leclerc, you know, this was an opportunity to try and trick Perez. And, you know, it, it worked. And he saw, and he led the race, which, um, which well, for Perez, it's kind of, you know, oh, I fell for it. You know, if I, if I, if I just stayed out, it would have been a different situation. And um, so what do you think of it? I think it was... A, yeah, as I said, as I said, a, mar- a sort of a masterstroke from Ferrari. I think we see teams try and sort of put other teams off or try and sort of outthink other teams by 
sort of sending their mechanics into the pit lane maybe a lap or two early just to try and tempt other teams into pitting before and sort of trying to just play with their strategy a little bit because obviously teams will be wanting to stick to the plans that they've got and yeah they'll have like plan b plan c backup strategies but yeah i think it was it's a brilliant sort of bluff by ferrarians in a way it was it was made even better by the fact that latifi crashed only what a lap or two later so then ferrari could essentially have a free pit stop under was it virtual safety car full safety car something rather so I mean, Perez dropped down to fourth after that. So, yeah, if, if it wasn't for the safety car, I think yeah, Ferrari, they still played it really well. But having the safety car there, it, it completely messed up Perez's race. And you've got to feel sorry for him in a way. But, yeah, complete, yeah. as I say, masterstroke by Ferrari. And um, if, if Ferrari keep this up, they could have a very good season, both from a driver's perspective and a constructor's as well. Because I know it's still early days, but... Ferrari have got one win. Red Bull now have one win with Max Verstappen. It 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 could be it could be anyone's game. Sorry, just just Talking on about that. The Ferrari race. have got, as you say, one win, but both drivers have been on the podium in both races as well. Whereas for Red Bull, it's only been Verstappen on the podium for both races. Yeah, Verstappen's got a win, but yeah, I think Ferrari have got about double the points of Mercedes already. <laughs> yeah, it's only two races, but. I think Mercedes are second in the in the constructors, obviously, because of Red Bull's non-finish in in Bahrain. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And yeah, for, as you say, if Ferrari keep this up, then they could be in for a good season, both with in in drivers and constructors championships. Now, we 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 all know that a battle with your teammate is all fun and games, but ultimately, you're there to race. You're there to get points for your team, and it are, when you're battling with your teammate, you know, lap after lap, and you're not focusing on the real goal, it could kind of prove a problem. And it's where this is where we had the Alpine drivers, Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso. Just a little, there was a little tug of war there, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a little bit. I, it just seems that Esteban Ocon in a pink car, he always seems to get into scraps with a team i remember him and perez actually at um at spa a few years ago when they were both racing for a racing point and i think it was actually the first race of racing point after forcing you went into administration and you know, yeah. i remember them going sort of down the hill into a rouge and they banged wheels i think one of them hit the wall and i think one of them might have had to retire that race and yeah um racing point got over the radio and basically said or said after the race that they wouldn't be they wouldn't be allowed to race each other. So whether something like that happens with Alpine, um, I don't know. I think the racing between Ocon and Alonso was actually pretty hard, but but fair as well, which is the main thing. Obviously, you don't want one <laughs> you don't want your teammates to drive into each other, but I think it was yeah. hard, fair racing. And I think at one point it did remind me a little bit of Canada twenty eleven, that that famous almost like four hour long race when. I think it was red flag for like two hours and Button came from last to first, crashed into uh, Lewis Hamilton on the pit straight in Canada. It's just that's, I think Alonso sort of tried to, not not purposely, <laughs> put Ocon into the wall, but it sort of had that similar sort of vibes. And I was just worrying a bit for Ocon, <laughs> whoever was behind him. Is he going to cra- crash him into the wall? But yeah, luckily for Albini, it worked out well. And I think Alonso... Actually, I think Ocon finished ahead of Alonso in, in the race, but um, I think I think they both got points anyway. So 
yeah, <laughs> all worked out in the end, I suppose, for Alpine. But yeah, I don't know if they'll be wanting to see that again and again this season, <laughs> especially yeah. Alonso, who's been in F1 for a long time. So yeah, whether he wants to <laughs> to battle with Ocon like like that, I mean, it is it is hard, but you don't want your teammates scrapping too closely, do you? Yeah, indeed. And another big news of the weekend was uh, Mercedes, but in particular, Lewis Hamilton starting the race 16th towards the back of the grid. And uh, it all started in Q1 where he, you know, he didn't make he didn't make Q2. He was at risk. And, you know, everyone watching qualifying was shocked, surprised. Never saw this happening. And, you know. A seven-time champion starting 16th on the grid. That was like, wow, what's going on? This is this is a real eye-opener. But he finished 10th. And 10th place, of course, is one point, but it's better than no points. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mercedes at, at this point will... I mean, every team will take every point that they get, I suppose. And yeah, Mercedes are second in the constructors, but for a bit of luck in a way, because, as I said, Red Bull non-finishing Bahrain. But... Yeah, it's, it's just a case of what has happened to Mercedes. They've been eight, eight times constructors champion, eight times in a row. And all of a sudden, new regulations, they just don't seem to have cut it. Maybe, maybe they've cut the side pods a bit too much. Who knows? But yeah, for whatever mm. reason, they, their car just isn't as good as, as I said, we've, we've seen for the last few years. I mean, Russell got P5 in the end, which I suppose in a way is, is a pretty good result for them considering their pace this early on in the season. But yeah, for Hamilton, as you said, seven-time world champions, the the statistical goat of Formula One, for him to yeah. qualify 16th and, and be knocked out by Lance Stroll and then Aston Martin is, yeah, pretty disappointing, I think, if you're a Mercedes fan. But having said that, he, as we said, he is a seven-time world champion. He knows how to handle situations like this. He might not have been too experienced it, uh, with it before, being in pretty much the fastest car over the vast majority of, of his F1 career. But he's, he's got, he's, he's sort of testing his mettle a little bit, but he, he's, he's got more than enough experience to be able to, to deal with these setbacks that, that he and Mercedes are experiencing at the moment. So yeah, you know, I expect him to bounce back in Australia. I think he's won there quite a few times. I can't remember exactly how many off the top of my head, but um, yeah, a bit disappointed from Hamilton. But as you say, a, a, a point is a point. I think he said afterwards that, <laughs> he was on the radio just like does this point does this position even get points <laughs> yeah he's just like he's not, well, yeah, it, it doesn't get not, points it, it, it gets a point <laughs> it doesn't get he's points it gets a point yeah <laughs> exactly yeah but yeah it's, as we've said Mercedes will take every point they they can get yeah every team will take every point they get as well I'm I'm just waiting I don't know how long it will be but I'm just waiting for the race or for the races that we see that Mercedes pace, that we see that that we see the, those consistent one twos that we hopefully could be getting, even if George Russell doesn't get a top two, just a podium, and we just want to see the Mercedes where they're supposed to be on the top step, on the podium, and I think in races. And imagine a season where Russell's best finish is lower than what he got with the Williams, which is P two in Spa. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Spa was wow. ridiculous. Was ridiculous circumstances, but just imagine that if if George Russell doesn't get higher than P three this year, that would be quite something. I'm sure he will. I'm sure Mercedes will, yeah. will figure out the car sooner rather than later. But yeah, that would be quite something. 
it will it will be because I don't I mean we still we still I still have memories of that Belgium reigning that Belgium reigning race. <clears throat> well, if, if you can call it a race anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And uh so well Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc are clearly the stars of the show. And um it's a battle that I'm ready for, ready to watch. Um, I still think it may take Hamilton maybe one, two more races to get back into the groove. But Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, I'm all for it. And it was the Dutchman that came out with the win. What do you make of their battle so far? I know it's only two races, but it's it's been exciting. It's been incredibly exciting. Yeah, I mean... We saw great battles between him and between Verstappen and Hamilton last year, and we're getting exactly the same this year. And as you say, already two races in, they're going wheel to wheel in both races. Uh, it's, it's just great for Formula One. It's great for us fans because we, we get to see two of the best drivers in the world, two of the best races in the world, um, just go head to head, wheel to wheel. Um, fingers crossed every weekend obviously it won't be every weekend but if we get races like we've seen in Bahrain and, and battles like we've seen in Bahrain and, and Saudi Arabia then yeah this season is, is going to be as good if not better than last year <laughs> maybe I mean who don't whether it will come down equal on points going into Abu Dhabi again I, I very much doubt it but yeah from what we've seen so far it, the the drivers championship could go to We'll probably will go to one of one of those two, Verstappen or Leclerc. It's just a case of who's who's got the skill, the talent, the, the faster car over the mm-hmm. course of well the next twenty races now, twenty one races, um, some new tracks on the calendar as well, uh, tracks coming back. So yeah, be interested to see how how their battle pans out. One one thing that I've taken from these last two races that I thoroughly enjoyed is the is the race to race battle between Leclerc and Verstappen, like lap after lap, you know, those those little battles to get in front of each, each other. We saw that in Bahrain when they were switching places, I think four times over the course of two or three laps. And they did it again in Saudi Arabia. The, the DRS tactical battle as well, which, which it was quite intriguing because you don't know who was going to get the, the up on the other person and it was just amazing to see great to see yeah i think i remember i think it was the last corner of cut number which like now but i think they both locked up because <laughs> they're probably both trying to figure yeah. out where where each other is they're both going to try and outbreak each other and i think again one of them sort of held back slightly and then got the drs on the straight and just zoomed past um I think I've on into turn one, turn two, whatever the the first chicane essentially. I think Leclerc was behind, and then locked up, went deep into the second part of the sh- uh, chicane, and simply just ran over it. I mean, that's just the the pressure that these drivers are under, and yeah, as you say, it's it's great racing, and yeah, the more we see of it, the better, because it's absolutely brilliant entertainment. And uh, it's it's also exciting. I, you know, I I just. You know what? I, what I want now is to have literally a race, a race of a straight from like <laughs> one start finish line to another. Have Verstappen in his Red Bull and Charles Leclerc in, in his Ferrari and just go who can go the fastest on the straight. And I'll just 
I would love, I would pay good money to see that. <laughs> almost like a drag race, if you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Almost like a drag race. Like, Baku. Because it, it's so nice. Let's do it in Baku, longest straight. Or China, the longest back straight. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be really exciting to see. So, like, okay, I'll pose a question to everyone. Who do you think would win in that drag race? Charles Leclerc in his Ferrari or Max Verstappen in his Red Bull? Who do you think would win in the drag race? Because after seeing that, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe Max Verstappen, just because of his racing nature and he's so aggressive. But yeah, that's that's got me. Why why don't they do that in testing? Like just the start of the season, right? Drag race two v two. Let's go down the grid and then just do a drag race and see who's got the fastest car. I mean. It would help people with their predictions and sort of expectations a little bit, I suppose. Mm, um, it would. Although, having said that, I mean, we've seen over the, like, the last year or so, I mean, in some speed traps that they have at the track, I think some Alfa Romeos have gone <laughs> fastest. So, I mean, obviously, Alfa Romeo don't have the fastest car. But, yeah, that, that would be interesting to see what what these cars max out at. And, yeah, it's just who has the fastest car in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Testing Formula One next year. <laughs> That would, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> you listening, Liberty Media? Stefano Domenico Carlo? <laughs> there you go. Your idea. <laughs> right. Lando Norris and his McLaren finished P6, meaning the British team got their first points of the season. And I know all those Orange fans will be very pleased with that. Norris finishing P6. It's, it's a great result. And, you know, you want to kick off your season in great, style and you know finishing 14th and 15th in Bahrain wasn't great for McLaren and uh, you know P6 for for Norris it was great I'm not quite sure where Ricardo finished though no, I, th- I think Ricardo retired um right about lap oh, 37 I want to say I think I think three I think it was three cars within the space of a lap and a bit oh I think there was me, Ricardo yeah. Alonso and Alonso yeah uh, yeah, we had that whole sort of pit lane entry saga where I think, yeah. I think Hamilton oh, wanted okay. to come into the pits for new tyres because I think it had been going for like pretty much the whole length of the race at that point, like 37, 38 laps on one set of tyres. And I've heard different things saying, oh, the pit lane was open, Mercedes told him to box, but Hamilton just drove straight past. Of, I think you've seen the, the video on F1 where the team tell him to box after he's already gone past the pit lane. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see which version of, of that story is true. I'm not 100% sure yet, but, yeah, it's a bit unfortunate, really, <laughs> for Hamilton at that point. But with Ricardo's car essentially just straight in front of the pit lane entry, he couldn't really do much, I don't think. I think it was safer to mm. just carry on and, A, not pose a risk to Danny Ricardo, also, B, not to get a penalty for, for Hamilton and Mercedes because... But he's had issues, I think it was Monza last year or the year before, when the pit lane entry was closed and he pitted anyway, got five second, ten second penalty, can't quite remember now. But yeah, it's just trying to avoid that situation again. And in a way, I suppose it kind of worked out for me to get a point at the end of the day. But whether that has a bigger impact on his race, whether, we, whether he could have got into say, the top eight, top seven, what have you, I don't know. It's, it's one of those sort of what ifs, I suppose. Um, but anyway, going back to the actual point of like Lando Norris, um, yeah, hugely pleased as a McLaren fan to get their uh, first points of the year. I think 
he actually finished P7, just missed out to Esteban Ocon. I got that wrong in the notes. Um, oh. it, was, it was similar to sort of last year when Bottas pipped Ocon literally on the line. It was sort of a reverse of that this time. I think you said last week Ocon wanted revenge. Well, he didn't get it against Bottas, but he got, he got it against Norris. Yeah. He beat Norris in pretty similar fashion to how um, he lost out to Bottas last year. But um, yeah, seventh place is still uh, six points for McLaren. It's, it's them off the mark in, in 2022. And yeah, I think they're still struggling a little bit from what we've seen by their qualifying pace. They qualified, was it 11th and uh, 12th actually. So next to each other but yeah, if, from what we've seen from McLaren the last few years especially <clears throat> the last two in particular when they've been sort of top of the midfield battling with Ferrari and yeah it just seems that all that hard work has just been undone a bit which is a bit disappointing for myself, myself and other McLaren fans but yeah to get some points on the board great stuff for McLaren indeed <clears throat> and um, right just before we finish off we've got one more thing to talk about which probably my favorite part to talk about now whenever we have an f1 season whoever's in charge of you know whoever's in charge of the f1 calendar you know putting out all the races of where where we're going to race where we're going what countries they must have a really tough job but there are just some races that you know shouldn't be on it there are some that should be on it that aren't on it and there are some where we just you can't take it out regardless and it brings me to say that earlier this morning in the early hours of i don't know two o'clock three o'clock UK time, hours, yeah <laughs> it was about three a.m uh, i was sleeping <laughs> i was yeah i was sleeping by the, at that time f1 announced that the sport is going to Sin City, aka Las Vegas. That's right. F1's going to Vegas, baby, in November 2023. Now, love it, hate it, I don't know, but that's it. That's the news. F1 is going to Las Vegas. Yeah, I know you're pretty hyped about it. I mean, we've got the Miami Grand Prix in two or three weeks' time, um, maybe four weeks, I can't quite remember where it's it slots into the calendar now. But yeah, we've got two uh, US Grand Prix on the calendar this year, so Miami and obviously Kosher as well. And I think this Las Vegas is from next year, 2023. And I mean, having had a look at the track, it doesn't, it doesn't look very inspiring. There's a lot of sort of fairly easy corners. I don't think there are too many sort of heavy breaking zones. There are a couple or two or three but it looks a very simple sort of track i mean but having said that so is austria then also <laughs> also having said that austria last year was quite the snooze fest i think there wasn't many good moments from the last couple of austrian grand prix mm-hmm. um but yeah we'll, we'll have to give it a go um it's i think some people have said on social media that it looks a bit like the tokyo track in in Gran Turismo games, which I can sort of see. I haven't played Gran Turismo a bit myself, but yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of new street circuits, especially when you've got the likes of Hockenheim, Nürburgring, Kilami in South Africa, Sepang, Malaysia, other tracks like that, maybe even Fuji in Japan, for example. When you've got purpose-built circuits, Magnicore in France, another one, when you've got tracks like those with great history to them, 
why not go and race there? I get it's, it's largely down to money and obviously tracks have to pay some sort of fee to, to race on the F1 calendar, but yeah, I'm, I did I'm not, not know that. I'm not, a, I, 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 I don't know for certain, but I assume they'd have to pay some sort of, of like entry fee, if you like to, I mean, I know like teams have to pay a certain amount. I think we've got the Andretti, Michael Andretti's interested in putting a, a bid for a new F1 team and, yeah, that's like a two million pound entry or something like that. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, as I say, I'm not a massive fan of street circuits. Some are okay. Um, Singapore, I, I do quite like as a as a street circuit. I mean, Baku has been reasonably entertaining the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. Just trying to think of other, other street circuits now that aren't Monaco, <laughs> Montreal, Canada um, is, is another track I quite like. Albert Park this year with the new changes. Yeah, I think we've got enough street circuits on the calendar. Yeah, Reed does street circuits really well, but I'm not 100% sure if it's something that F1 should be fully focused on, really. I kind of get the idea behind having another USGP. I mean, F1 has struggled to get a foothold in the US, but I think over recent years, I mean, I think last year's US Grand Prix at Kota was the most attended US Grand Prix in history. Um, Again, not 100% sure on that, but do we need free races in the States? I get it. It's, it's almost cut. too much, isn't it? Or what do you... I, I, I think I think so. I mean, I, I get it's the country itself is bigger than Europe, but at the same time, it is still it's still one country. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, I'd rather race there than Saudi Arabia, to be perfectly honest. Um, so yeah, as yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. I know, as I say, you're quite hyped about this. I mean, well, I don't know. I I'm. I was quite hyped, not because of the racing per se, but just because of, right, listen, I'm not a gambling person, but when I heard <laughs> it was, I'm not a gambling person, so you won't see me in the casinos playing blackjack, <laughs> picking up chips for poker, no, you won't, you won't see me do that, but just seeing, like, you know, what Las Vegas is known for, you know, casinos and large hotels and the this. The Caesar, I think it's called the Caesar, the Caesar Hall. I think it's called. See, there's there's Caesar's Palace, and funny you should say that because Palace, I think I think in the eighties, in the seventies or eighties, they actually hosted a Grand Prix in Caesar's Palace sort of car park, if you like. And from what I read of that, it wasn't great entertainment. It was all flat. There's no mm. uh, sort of like camber, if you like, on the corner. There's no sort of elevation change. It's just flat, going around the same corners over and over. Well, that's what race games, but the, yeah, the track was the, the sectors were essentially the same if you look at the track map, and it wasn't very exciting. But yeah, hopefully, this new Las Vegas Grand Prix from next year mm-hmm. will be will be more exciting than that, and more exciting than Monaco so, as well. Just get that in there, yeah. <laughs> A little dig at Monaco. So, just before we finish, I want to. I, I just wanted to um, ask the question. I I saw something on social media. I think maybe. A couple of weeks ago because it was quite recent wtf1 i think yeah wtf1 they put out a tweet about the f1 calendar in general seeing what races we were going to and then they they tweeted out what what races would you like to bring back or rotate what races would you want to get rid of and what races would like would you want to stay stay on the calendar I, I I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, I think... it just got me thinking. 
yeah it just yeah it just got me thinking on like the races that we have and the ones that want to get rid of and rotate with and uh, it was quite interesting what were your thoughts yeah i mean i think they've pretty much got i don't know if they've got every grand prix on the calendar this year i think they've got china on there which obviously isn't on it this year but yeah there's a lot going through there's actually quite a few that i wanted to get rid of which i don't think would work out quite well in the grand scheme of things but um yeah i think there are a, a few on there that i would definitely like to keep silverstone for example spa monza um mm-hmm. probably zanvoort to be honest I and mean, Zanvoort wasn't that great last year but tracks like that were sort of great history to them and usually provide pretty good racing um, I'd like to see a German Grand Prix on there. I'd like to see a French Clock Grand Prix on there. Whether it's yeah, a... I'd love to see that come back. I'd like to see a French Grand Prix. I, I don't think American. I don't think they've raced in Hockenheim since 2013, 2014. It's more recent than that. 2019, I think. Oh, 2019. Wow. It was, it was 2019. Yeah. Then they raced at the Nürburgring in 2020. Because um, I think the pit lane is slightly longer or something, so social distancing was easier. Something like that, but. Yeah, we haven't had a German Grand Prix. Well, I say since then, it's only been a year, a year and a bit. But yeah, the German Grand Prix has been a bit of a weird one over the last few years. With I think Hockenheim has been almost a mainstay. I think it was supposed to alternate with the Nürburgring, but some sort of sponsorship contract thing fell out with the Nürburgring. So essentially, had a German Grand Prix in like the even number of years in 2014, then didn't have it in 15, had it in 16 didn't have it in 17 and yeah it's been the Hocken- it's been Hockenheim since then but I would like to see the German Grand Prix return I'd like to see <laughs> quite a few of the current tracks on the uh, on on the calendar go like I mean, Saudi Arabia first and foremost China um Bahrain potentially Abu Dhabi as well Abu Dhabi as well for sure <laughs> I mean usually they're pretty boring just get races rid of the, old, the Middle Eastern tracks then sort of yeah I mean a political reasons human rights reasons and two the racing hasn't been that great i mean I suppose notable exception being this year's grand uh, this year's uh, racing both bahrain and saudi arabia and i suppose last year's bahrain grand prix to some extent as well but for the vast majority i can't there aren't many memorable moments from grand mm. prix in those countries but yeah when you when you consider you've got as i say montreal in canada you've got with the US Grand Prix, um, so loads of other historical tracks, Sepang, um, and I've won my last race there in 2016, 2017. Um, it's, it's just a case of funding for these tracks, I suppose, that, that have fallen off the calendar. And yeah, money, what, what was it Hamilton said a few years ago? Cash is king. <laughs> I think he Cash said. is king, that's <laughs> it, yeah. It all comes down to money. So yeah, I had. I'd agree with you on that one. I'd, I'd get rid of the Middle Eastern races, China as well. Um, I'd bring back, I'd bring back uh, Sipeng in Malaysia, but I would actually rotate it with Imola, like season, alternate it in season. So one season you have Imola, the next you'll have Sipeng in Malaysia. I just think it just gives it some more variety. And then you've got the regulars that stay on the calendar. Um, Mont- uh, uh, Montreal, I think, is a good one. Silverstone, Monza, Spa in Belgium. I think it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you got to race a sort of historical country. I mean, you, you've got to have a British Grand Prix. Ideally, at yeah. Silverstone. It's, it's not the birthplace of F1, but the UK as a whole is sort of the birth of F1 and, and motorsports. Mm-hmm. And 
here at Austria as well, um, Hungary to some extent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just tracks like that with that A, provide good racing and B, have some sort of meaning to them, if you like. They're not just street circuits that are built because of money or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, to me, going through, I have been quite critical of the calendar and going through, <laughs> going through the WTF1 article, I was quite critical critical so maybe i need to sort of rein myself in a little bit but yeah, i think there are some that can be rotated Imola, like like you mentioned i think is a track that can be rotated um because it, yeah. we've essentially got two italian grand prix uh, on the calendar so have one 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 year one the other something like that i mean yeah with it with another track somewhere else in the world but um yeah i just need to rein myself in a bit when it comes to <laughs> getting rid of tracks if it was down to me we'd have like a five race calendar <laughs> Well, well, you've got, well, you've got, say, you've got, say, two weeks, all right, because we've not got, we we haven't got another race weekend until April 10th when we go to the other side of the world, be in Australia, and that'll be great for the first time in what, two, three years, is it? A couple of years, yeah, 2019. 2019, wow. We'll be back in the Australian Grand Prix and um, we'll be seeing Sebastian Vettel again. Which yeah, is great true. to see. Great to see him back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this has been this has been the afterburners. So oh my goodness. There we go. <laughs> That's happened at some oh stage. My... There we go. <laughs> it was gonna happen at moved some on. stage. We've moved on. <laughs> on <Odds> on. <laughs> this has been the F1 Stop Show. And um, yeah, just remember to tweet us on Twitter, F1 Stop Show, and also on our Instagram as well, F1 Stop Pod. And you can also email us as well if you've got any questions, comments. And yeah, I've been your host, Samuel Oni. And it's a goodbye from me. Bye-bye. And it's a goodbye from Wes. Bye-bye. And we hope you have a lovely week. And two weeks, two weeks later, we'll be back for the Australian Grand Prix.